But I want to talk about sharing our food is my overarching... How we share our food that's on our table with Glasgow. Um, there is going to be Bible verses. And if you want to get prepared for that, just as the offering's going around, the main place we're going to land is in Romans chapter 5. Um, so I want to talk about sharing our, what's on our table with Glasgow. And, and I want to just, just talk to you for a bit. Is that right? Um, <clears throat> God is definitely doing something with us. Uh, at, the beginning, at the beginning of the year, I, I think I shared this with you, but I just want to remind you, I, I was praying one day and I just had this really vivid vision just, just sort of imprinted on, on my sight as I was praying in my study. And, and what I saw was, a, was a, a, I, I was sitting behind a table in a, a Scottish glen and there was a gamekeeper he had the obvious kind of stereotypical gamekeeper dress on, which is how I knew. And he'd got a he'd got a he'd got a load of salmon in his hand on a on a string, and he was coming, and he he kept coming and putting these fish on my table, and then an eagle flew off, and I looked out across the loch, and the the salmon were leaping out of the loch, and the eagle was catching them and bringing them to the table. Now, they don't jump out of the loch. They, if they do jump, it's on the, the swim up the river. And, 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 and I'm like, oh. This is, and, then, and then it changed, and there was a shepherd, and he was bringing lambs and sheep to me at this table. And there was all this going on. I was trying to, actually feeling a little bit overwhelmed with all this stuff, uh, but really getting the sense God was speaking, you know, harvest, you know, new, new birth, new people, new... New people, and, and that it, you know, th they want to be caught. They, wa they want to be caught. So uh, that, this is this vision. And then a few, a few weeks later, in a supernatural school, in the worship time, it's like I'm back in the vision, but I'm looking at it from the side of the table that the gamekeeper was coming from. And what I see, I see the table from the perspective of what was coming towards me in the other vision and it was super long like longer than this room and it was groaning with food and there was a lot of us there and we were stuffing our faces I mean we were having a very happy time with what was on there but these what was coming at us could see this and that's why they were bringing the, the fish and the sheep and the lambs and the because of this table and I really felt God setting us up that it, it it's time to make it easy to give away what we have. Because we, you may not realize it, but we are groaning with goodies in this house. And uh, that, 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 is, that was what I was left with, that, that we, we are going to see an increase in people coming to faith and, and, on, a, on a really significant scale. Uh, and then someone prophesied, people keep prophesying over me, God's going to increase your numbers or... You're going to get another hundred people this year. That was something that came from a guy who's really spot on with numbers. Just got that the other day. I'm like, ah, that's so exciting. Um, and then I did, I got signed up last year. We did a, a conference in Milton Keynes. Uh, and they asked me back. How about that? That was so good. That's always a good sign when you get asked back. 
and, and they put a different flavor on it this year. So they asked this guy who I knew about but never met called Alan Scott from Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland. And I thought, God, you're setting me up. Um, so I'm doing a conference with a guy I've never met, but I know about his church. Their church saw over 2,000 people come to faith during 2014. I'm going to say that again. Their church, like just across the water in Northern Ireland, saw over 2,000, in fact, approaching 3,000 people come to faith just during the last year. That's a lot of fish and sheep happening right there. So I know this, and I'm like, I've had this vision, and now somehow God's arranged that I'm doing a conference with this guy. So I'm like, I'm, I feel I'm being set up. So, so we arrive, and uh, I do the first session, and he doesn't arrive till the next morning. And, and the church leader who organized this, our, our friend Richard Whiteman, was so excited that he gave me one session. But of course, I get this. He, the other three were going to be done by, by Alan, which is, was fine with me. And we were just going to sit and soak in whatever, learn whatever we could from this guy. So on, on, on we go. And then we go out for, we're listening to him. And then we go out for dinner together in between the afternoon and the evening session. And he's brought his evangelist with him. So we're in this Italian. And the evangelist leads the waiter to the Lord. And you could see Holy Spirit was on this waiter. It was like, and we were doing friendly chat with him. We were being nice Christians. But the evangelist guy actually leads him to Christ. And then we're all high-fiving him and re- welcoming him to the family. And, and, and Alan and I are chatting. And, and like, connect, we're, we're connecting. So he says, let's, let's tag team the evening session. So we did. We kind of shared it up. I did a bit and he did a bit. We had a ton of fun, honestly. It should be illegal how much fun we were having. But it's not, so we're going to keep going. And so something in this whole environment of the... So he brought his evangelist with him. So it was Alan Scott and Scott, which was confusing. But Scott McNamara, but, you know, two Scots. And one of them actually is a Scott. So Alan Scott is a Glasgow boy, which is, he doesn't sound like it, but he genuinely is. So we're, we're hatching a plan. Um, but the impact of this on, on us, I mean, our session went well, people got healed. Teresa had two amazing words of knowledge. She got people's, na- like she gave a name, like bang on name, they were in the room, prophesied over them, did it twice. I'm like, whoa, this, this is incredible. I gave a house number, completely pancaked, you know. <laughs> so I just said, I'm still taking risks, 300 people in the room, you know, main conference speaker, <laughs> a classic belly flop it was. <laughs> we're going to keep going because this is so outrageously fun. Um, don't lose your thread, don't lose your thread. <laughs> I could go in so many directions right here. The... <laughs> We were impacted by them. We were excited about the gospel and people getting saved in a way that I don't think we've been for a long time. So we're like buzzing with this. So then we went to another thing. We were in a global legacy hub leaders. So we stayed south because it, it, that Wolverhampton is like less than two hours from Milton Keynes, but it's five odd hours from here. So we just stayed south. We could, we could handle it for about five days. That was, that was enough. And we, uh, we, we stayed in, in, in this little B&B they put us up in, uh, which, had a, which had a restaurant. And that evening we were like, 
we've got to do this stuff. So our, our waitress, was, we were chatting with her. So we said words to the effect of, well, if God could do a miracle for you today, what would it be? And she starts to well up with tears. I said, well, my dad's in for a back operation today. He's living with me. She was from Lithuania. He's living with me. He's, he's been you know, partly crippled, can't walk properly. We're just hoping this works, but it might not. And, you know, so we said, great, we'll pray. So we prayed, eyes open, looking at her. We prayed for her right there and prayed for her dad. And uh, next day, uh, we saw her about tea time. We said, how's it going? She said, they let him straight out of hospital. He's walking up and downstairs. He's got a smile on his face. And she's really happy. So... So I, I'm thanking God for the medical profession and our prayer and whatever, but I just, I just looked at her and said, you know, that's God looking after you. And she said, really? Is he really like that? I thought he'd be busy with Syria. He's like, see what she said? No, I said, no, he's really good and he really loves you. And she's welling up with tears. Again, I said, listen, is, what can we pray for you? She said, I need to whisper it to you. And, and she just whispers about... Uh, she, she's been under the doctor for depression a long time, so I pray with her. Again, smile on her face, Holy Spirit on her. This stuff is fun. Yeah. And then we, we talk to the hotel manager. We say, if God could do a miracle for you, what would it be? She says, well, I'll have to think about that. So she thinks all night, and then in the morning was about to leave. So what would you like? She said, well, I'm, I'm, she was a, a Sikh, so we just kind of blessed her. She said, I'm going to India, so we prayed for a great time, and, the, and her business would flourish. And this is this is... The most fun. People are going to get saved. And then we come home and our, our friend Barbara's reporting. You know, they do the pit stop, which is a, a mini light in life. So there's a, it's now a pub down on St. Enoch Square. It's open, uh, I think it's once a month, and people are invited in and they do massage and prophecy that we call it. They call it spiritual reading, healing, this kind of stuff. Only about 20 people came, but a dozen of them came to faith. Yeah. This week in Glasgow. And I'm talking to Barbara, and often, and we're going there tonight to help with her um, church plan. And she, she said it when she spoke to us. They have seen an increase in these outreach events, so maybe seen one or two a month come to faith. To now, you know, it's not unusual for it to be 20, 30 now, both in Northern Ireland and here, they're not all getting added to the church, all right? But talking to these guys from Coleraine, from Causeway Coast, some are straight away. Some are not straight away, but find their way in later. And some, it's just, they've had an encounter. It's like a conception rather than a birth. It's like the beginning, not the end of the process. But rather than being... See, as a pastor for 28 years, I have all sorts of issues with all of that uh, that I need to be set free from because I'm thinking, well, if they're not in church, it's not for real. And da, da, da. But actually, sowing the gospel, someone said it already, that, that's our responsibility. What happens after that isn't always our responsibility. And holding that, I found even with this, this lass that we prayed with whose dad got better, he... I was reluctant to go the next step because I was thinking all these discipleship issues and I'm like, I just felt God, I just said sorry to God. Actually, she was ready to be led to Jesus and I didn't do it yeah. because of my issues, yeah. Yeah. which he's in the process of sorting out. There is a harvest. It is ripe. Yeah. And then there may not be the people you want to get saved. 
but they are coming, and these smelly fish are going to come here, because we were all smelly once. And so there's this growing, there's the, the, we, we have, we've made new friends in, in Northern Ireland, and, and I think we're going to invite them over, and we're going to get some of their evangelists over. I mean, this guy's leading, who we met, Scott, is probably leading between one and five people to Christ every day of the week. And, and, and some of them are, well, a lot of them are, are not the people most of you would be wanting to lead to Christ. <laughs> But they're getting saved. He's got a Facebook page called God Squad. He's got a house group. And then he invites them to church. And they have reserved seats for all these you know, ex-gang members and all this kind of people that are getting converted and are coming off drugs. And This is happening in the UK. I'm not talking about Africa or America. Something is happening. I think we came out, when we came back from Bethel now five and a half years ago, I think we came back, I, I certainly came back with renewed hope and faith for the miraculous and healing. Exposure to these guys renewed my faith and hope for conversion, the greatest miracle of all. Um, so this is exciting. Just, it's just so good. It's so good what is going on in our, in our nation. And, and, and this is sustained as well. All, all, the, all the things you're looking for. It, it, it's there, and, and we, I think we found connection because so many of our values and heart was the same. So a lot of what we are about, they are also about. They've just found breakthrough into the realm of leading people to Christ, leading people to faith. Um, and, and, and I, and probably you, need to get over some of our roadblocks to doing it. Um, I, know, I know just talking to... The, I'll do this now. That we have we have opportunities yes. right now yes. to help lead people to faith yes. that are actually pe- people need our help. So there's a situation we did a, a light and life event. Some of you remember in a golf club out in Newton Mans, and some people came to faith. Some of them even came to church. Uh, they had amazing encounters with God, and and another church picked that up. But actually that. Because the people wanted to keep meeting in that golf club. The golf club was willing to host regular meetings of Christians doing Light and Life events as an event of the golf club. But the church that was following that has, has, has since folded. Southsiders, we have an opportunity yeah. Yeah. to do something incredible. Yeah. Uh, all these people are coming to faith through the pit stop. I know talking to Barbara, she'd love it if we got alongside that and started to in that context, start to disciple some of these. There's a whole bunch of goths that have got saved and all this kind of thing. Isn't that amazing? But they're not going to come to church straight away. They need a, they need, it's almost like they need a supernatural school for them. You know, take what we've been doing and and give it to them so they can do the next stage. Isn't this, this is, so this is popping. I, I think if we became more intentional about this, it wouldn't be hard to see 50 people a month coming to faith that we knew about through doing these kind of things. It's already many, you know, there's already 10, 20 happening in our city that we're aware of and many more. This is exciting. I've never known a time like this. It's always been really hard. But it requires a mental shift when it's suddenly changing. 
that our behavior and our strategy and our beliefs need to change to catch up with what's, what's going on. Uh, rather than just have a belief system that's stuck in, well, it just takes forever to get my friend led to Christ. That probably isn't the case anymore. There's hunger. It's not in everybody, but there is hunger. The prayers that we and many others have been praying for most of our life are being answered. It just, the, the block in most people's head is the word church. Probably if they came here, they'd probably quite like it, but just to get them is really, really difficult. So we need to hit them and meet them where they are. All right? On the street or in the, in the pit stop or wherever, the golf club, and then take it from there. Um, I think for a long season now, probably five years as a, as a church, our focus has been on building culture, creating a kingdom culture. And a lot of our energy and our teaching has been on creating this environment that's full of honor, full of hope, and also is great at hosting the presence of God and reaching for and believing for the miraculous, that with God there is nothing impossible. And I think we've done a good job with a lot of that. Okay, there's always more. But our goal is not always just to keep refining the culture that we have, as that's, that's not the great ultimate end product. All right? That we're always just getting better at honoring one another. The point of having a culture of honor is so that it's an antidote for the shame that's in our city. If we, if we carry shame in, in, uh, in the way that we treat one another and the way we think about ourselves, it's really difficult for us to release hope and forgiveness to our city, which is full of shame. Are you tracking with me? But we're not supposed to, having got Oh, we're all three thrilled that we're all honoring one another and celebrating one another. We know what forgiveness is. We are full of grace. That it's not supposed to stay here because what God is doing is creating environments like this, creating households where hope is there, where, where honor is established in order that it can get released into a city that needs it. You have to kind of establish the bridgehead, but then the point of that is that the troop, any bridgehead is for the troops to get and penetrate the enemy territory. Yeah. All right, so I think it's strong. I think it's secure, our culture. I think people could come into this culture and not mess it up, but get messed up in a good way by it. Yeah. You know, so the way you protect your culture is not like, keep the nasty people out. That, that's really, that, no, it's actually, we get more of what we give away. And uh, I read this, Chris Vallotton posted this, but it wasn't his quote, but a ship is safe in the harbor, but then that's not what ships are for. So, you know, we could be in here, and we come in every week, and we have a lovely time of worship, and we get taught really well, and, and, and you know, we've got great friendships, growing community, da-da-da, uh, you know, our cargo is getting loaded up, but we're not just meant to be in the harbor. It's for when we're out in the the ocean as we're singing and it's a bit choppy and it's like, oh, I'm going to hang on to who I am. Yeah. See, I think for, for maybe for decades, maybe for centuries, one of the challenges we've had is that we've not, as believers and churches, we've not been secure in our identity. Yes. Yeah. 
So the fruit of that is that we've been affected by culture. We've, we've, we've been influenced by culture from the outside in. What God's been teaching us about is to be secure in who we are so we go and influence culture from here out. So you are going to contaminate wherever you go, like ta- Pam was prophesying over us. You are, you are a Holy Spirit contaminator. You, you, are, you, you, are, you, are, you are infectious to your community, to your environment, with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God. You, you are not at the mercy of your culture. Your culture needs you, and you can shape it. All that we've been learning about who we are in Christ is really meant for this, so that we can go confident that who we are is going to change the environment we are placed in and not the other way around. That we release heaven on earth, we don't become more earthly when we're in earthly situations. Earthly situations become more heavenly because we are there. And I think Jesus did that. He spent three years relating to building up his disciples and then he said, over to you, go change the world. Which is basically what he said. He said, go disciple nations. You're secure enough, you know enough, you have enough to go and change the planet. The planet is going to be affected by you. And so one of the phrases when the early apostles arrived in a city that they use is, oh no, the people who turned the world upside down have showed up here as well. (laughs) This is what the unbelievers were saying of the believers. Believers who knew who they were and weren't intimidated by the culture around them, but knew they'd come to bring something powerful and transformational into that culture. So our city needs places that are full of honor and full of hope. Because our city is full of discouragement and full of shame. We are such a place. Like We're not becoming it. Yeah, we can do better. But we are such a place, and it's time to get out of the harbor. It's time to have the fish, and time to have the sheep, and the whatever else. Yeah? And to, for us to continually be confident that we can export our culture to the great city of Glasgow, our identity, who we are, I, I just wanted to hit on, on two things this morning that are related. It's really important, and and this has kind of been a theme of the morning, it's really important that we protect our hope in seasons of trial and challenge. So I asked you to actually turn up for scripture, do you remember? A while back, but we're into Romans chapter 5. says that we've gained, in verse 2, that we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. I just want to pause it. Hope doesn't disappoint us or hope doesn't lead us to a place of shame. Sometimes we back off from outrageous hope 
because we think it sounds like we're just wishing too much. And we don't want to be, we don't want to end up ashamed because it didn't happen. And then we look like wallies. Nobody would vote to be a wally. So we can downplay our hope just in case we look like a wally. But this is saying that actually because God's at work in it, we will not be ashamed even if our hope is absolutely outrageous. I thought that was an excellent point actually how how big how big is your hope today but the the other thing that has has puzzled me and frustrated me about this passage is, is for years is is the is the progression in this passage so it says that we boast and hope in the glory of God. Yay! Not only so. So you think, well, we're really on a high now. We're boasting in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our breakthroughs. No, it doesn't say that. We also glory in our sufferings. So I'm like, eh, I'm already struggling. This isn't going well. This is disappointing. This is pressurized. This, there's lots of lack. There's lots of need. There's lots of lack of breakthrough. This is disappointing. I'm not glorying in hope. Yes. Then it says, we do that because we know something. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And then character produces more hope. And I'm... I'm my difficulty with this is my experience in my life and watching others is difficulty produces perseverance and character and less hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, disappointment, difficulty, delay has the, the, the product as you get older of producing wise people. Well, we call them wise. What they mean is they always tell you don't get your hopes up because it might not happen. Because they've learned through a process that seems to be contrary to this one that you get something exciting, then something difficult happens that's in the way of something exciting happening, and then it doesn't happen, and really character is just putting up with all the things that never happened in your life. That's not creating more hope, that's creating less hope. But Paul's saying, like, somehow he's... it can sound like he's a bit in la-la land. It's like, well, here we are, you know, and he knows about suffering. He's been shipwrecked, beaten with rods, actually killed. One translation, he was so, he was stoned, and it, some translations say he was left for dead. Others say he was dead, and actually when the disciples found him, they resurrected him. This, this could be described as suffering. All right, so he knows what it's ta- he knows what he's talking about, and, and he's been locked in the very center of a jail, you know, he knows what it's like to, to have all this stuff go on in his life, but his version of life is, well, when that happens, you grow in patience, you grow in character, and you just get even more hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Paul, this is not a Disney movie. You were beaten, you were stoned, you were... The bruises were on your body. The scars may be still on your body. Yeah. What, kind of, what kind of an outrageous idiot are you to believe that such things could produce more hope in you? Yeah. He 
passed on more hope to the next generation than he received. Not because everything went right, but somehow he plugged in to a stairway of hope even when it was going wrong. And the stairway went up rather than the stairway went down, which is kind of where mine usually goes. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of like, yay, God's spoken this word to me. Oh, this is going to be so amazing. Oh, crap, that's not in line with that word. Oh, crap, that's not in line with that word either. Well, I'll persevere, and it's still not happening. I'll not get angry, I'll not get frustrated, I'll not bawl out at anybody, so I've got good character. But at the end of it, it's still not happened, so bye-bye to hope. Stairway down but I'm godly because I didn't complain. (laughs) Don't complain. That's godly. Don't get angry. That's also godly. Don't weep because it's not happening because that's godly. That's stoic. (laughs) God's chain reaction is different. The worse it gets, the more hope you can have. <laughs> See, the ki- everything about the kingdom is upside down, including this bit. Yeah, true. So how does that work? Well, it works like this. See, circumstances are circumstances. They can be positive or negative, but they have no more power than that. I'm going to say that again. Circumstances are circumstances. They can be positive or negative from your perception, but they actually don't have any more power than that. The power they derive to affect your mood comes from somewhere else. The power they derive to affect your mood comes from somewhere else. And the issue is, where are you plugged into, not what's going on around you? So, I love this translation. The Passion Translation of Acts 14.22 says this, that Paul taught them that it's necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecutions. What most of you will have read, if you've read that part of the Bible, is... A translation which says it's necessary that through trials we enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's actually legitimate to translate it this way, that it's necessary to enter, enter the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we'll endure our many trials and persecutions. So if you have earthly circumstances and you stay rooted in earth then you're going to get earth's outcome. Because the devil's involved in the earth and he has no encouragement to give you. He's the most disappointed being on the planet and he wants to share it with you. He's recruiting disappointers, disappointed people. He's, he's up for impartation of disappointment. And he will use your negative circumstances to impart hopelessness to you so that you become an excellent partner with him and spread more hopelessness across the planet than is already there. 
You know, they're actually beginning to say that watching the news is bad for your health. And I can believe it. It's getting so bad. But it still isn't the truth. It's just someone's version of what's going on. And it, and, and it, is a, it has become a means of propagating hopelessness. Which I think the devil is very happy with because he, he doesn't have any hope to give you. Whereas God is the God of all hope. He's the God of all hope. So hopelessness, disappointment, isn't just coming, isn't about the circumstances. It's about who your part, what realm you're partnering with when your circumstances happen. Do not blame your circumstances. When something hits you, we all have a choice. There were two trees in the garden. There were two words. What God said, what the devil said. Take the tree, don't eat of the tree. Every time something hits us, we we can partner with one or the other thing. Disappointment has led to more bad theology than probably any any exegetical error. Because it shapes a mindset of no expectation that cannot then read the Bible and see that it's full of expectation. So it has to find a reason why that expectation should no longer exist. You are never going to... What this scripture said, if you hope in something from God, if you hang on to that hope, you're never going to look an idiot. Because God's love's in your heart. He's for you. He's not against you. And, and I think we should read chapter 5 in parallel with chapter 8 because in chapter 8 of Romans it says that He's for you. He's not against you. He gave His own Son. How will He not freely give you all things? Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. This is a man full of hope. Yes. He's been in prison. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten with rods. He's been killed with stones. And he's still got more hope than when they did it to him because he believes that he's connected to a kingdom realm where the King of kings and the Lord of lords is always giving him victory regardless of how the circumstances look. And he kept choosing. He keeps choosing. So there they are. They're in prison with the rats, don't, don't imagine, you know, this is not a Hollywood prison. But him and Silas are singing praises to God. A lot of us would be going, yeah, but that doesn't feel real to me. You know, I want to be real. I want to be a real, authentic Christian. And, and, and my circumstances are crap, so I'm going to feel crap because that's authentic. Right, you know, authenticity is all about lining up with what would, the world would deem would be an appropriate emotion in my crap circumstances. I was so proud of my family and friends when we got the news that, uh, that Claire, you heard the testament, I mean, Claire's visa was denied. We, we had a spontaneous family and friends prayer meeting. It was so fun to be there. We were praying for visas to materialize in a, in a, in a, a passport. We were praying for her to be miraculously transported. Uh, we, we were open to any option of miracle that God would break in. Now, he did what he did, which is also 
incredibly amazing. But that was a room filled with hope and expectation that despite yet another challenge, God was still going to break in. I was so proud of that environment. We were not going to be shaped by, oh, crap. How are you doing? So being authentic is not equal, I'm going to line my mood up with my circumstances. Being authentic is lining your mood up with, with heaven's opinion of you, heaven's opinion of your circumstances, and what, what, what God has said and what God is saying. That's, that's authentic living. <laughs> and we get to choose which stairway we're on. Are we on going into more hope or into less hope? And why I'm saying this here is because what the devil wants to do is rob you of your hope before you leave your front door. Actually, what this city and what this nation and what every unbeliever is needing and hungry for is somebody like you, full of hope and expectation, arriving in their office, their shop, waiting on their bus queue, etc., etc., so that you're ready to shoot your hope into their situation. Do you, is there something you, we could pray for where you need a miracle? Because I am just that kind of person. Every time in the Bible, every breakthrough that I can find is preceded by an obstacle that would tell you there isn't going to be a breakthrough. I'll give you two examples where they... So, so circumstances are trying to give you a message. So David faces Goliath, the young boy. One of the most famous stories in the Bible. Here's this giant of a man with huge weapons. And here's this wee teenager probably with promises on his life. And he looks at the giant and basically says, you're coming down. But the giant was not presenting He was not inviting him into his destiny and holding the door open for him. (laughs) David, I see that you're anointed of God. I know that you're going to rule your nation. I know God has great plans for you. Let me just help you. I'll I'll be with you and we'll defeat the Philistines together. Let 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 me turn sides and use my huge spear with you. Now he stands there angry and cursing and telling him that he's going to chop his head off. They're, about, they're supposed to go into the promised land. All the children of Israel, they send some spies out and they see giants in the land and they come back and they say, oh, we can't go in. There's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. And, oh, they scare everybody and they don't go in. It was the promised land, promised by God. But right at the doorway, there were giants. And then the second time around when they come, so that they actually were put off. So they didn't, one generation didn't enter their destiny because at the doorway to their destiny was a giant. Yeah. And then the second time around, they come, next time it's not giants, it says it's Jericho and it's walled up to heaven. Yeah. They have that obstacle to get over. Yeah. But they go in and, and they use the, the, the famous war winning strategy of walking around <laughs> walls. But what I'm trying to tell you is what faces you is not telling you the truth about your future. 
The, the doorway to your destiny is always going to have a giant in front of it. And in fact, the bigger the giant, the more likely it is that that's the way you should go. Your fears are not giving you or me good information about my future. God's greatest provision for breakthrough is at the feet of the greatest giant. David bends down, he picks up two stones, three stones, that's all he needed to take the big dude out. That was God's miracle provision. Sometimes it doesn't look spectacular to have spectacular results. Are you understanding me? Some of us are bumping up obstacles, bumping up negative circumstances, bumping up against giants, and we're like, oh, that, that can't be for me then. No, that means it is for you. The guy at the weekend used a great illustration. He said, where do you put scarecrows? You put scarecrows in fields that they've just put seed in. So every smart crow should know that go to the field with a scarecrow in to get lunch. See, the devil knows and doesn't want you to enter your powerful, incredible, significant destiny. So he's putting the scarecrows in all the good, fruitful fields. He's putting the giants in front of the doors that you need to go through to enter in. He's putting all his resources into the spot that you actually need to press through. Because that's the very thing he doesn't want you to have, and he wants you to partner with him in misery and hopelessness. And we go around being real, we've got to be real and face such a giant. That's not being real. This is a test for me and for you. Am I partnering with religion or Jesus? Because religion folds in the face of any threat. Because it doesn't have any power. You have power. You have power. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You did not receive, you didn't receive a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. A spirit of power and love and self-control. You are the ones that are doing the threatening just by being alive. Just by being in this room, just by showing up at work, you're a threat to every demon in the place. By walking out on the street, well, you, you are the biggest threat the devil has in Glasgow. He has, he has only squatters' rights. We are the people with the real authority in this town. And we've been told the opposite for so long we think it's true. It's not true. He tries to be big and he tries to be mean, but it's just all sham and a lie. But God has given the church, through Jesus Christ, authority to shape every city. We hold the true keys of authority. I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. It's about us. We get to happen. So we have an incredible calling on us as Hope Church. Yes, there are obstacles. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are lacks. But that's exciting. I'm starting to see every lack as an opportunity for a bigger breakthrough. Try it. It's fun. 
Try seeing everybody you meet as an opportunity to at least pray with them that God would break in in their life and maybe lead them to Christ. He is setting you up everywhere. He's setting me up all over the place. Just buying coffee the other day. I mean, I had a two-second window for this guy. Suddenly I'm fine. I'm next to a guy who is playing the organ in churches and he's at the, um, the conservatoire, you know, learning and he's getting paid for doing it, but he doesn't believe. I said, well, maybe if you do it enough, you'll believe in Jesus. That was about the moment I had, and then he was out the door. But God sets you up with people all over the place. Just a word, a prayer, a moment. They're there, and there's hunger, there's confusion, and you and I have the answer living inside us because Jesus is in us, and he's the hope of the nations. He's the hope of the world, and because he's in you, then you're the hope of the world. And they're not going to get it from the news or from X Factor or anywhere else. There's no hope. There's only shame. X Factor is a shame-based program, if you hadn't noticed. We have freedom. We have hope. We have love and honor enough to give to a planet. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand. Well, I'll just get more and more excited and shout more and more. not because I'm cross, it's just I'm really stirred by what God's doing. Hey, I feel God's doing some things in the room this morning. Some of you are receiving a call or renewing your connection to your call to serve God full-time in church ministry. There's people in this room, they have a call in their life to serve God full-time, no matter what the cost, and it's there, and it's coming back to life this morning, or you're receiving it for the first time this morning, right in this room. I don't know if there's any, is there anybody in the room who is, you, either you have cancer or a family member has cancer, because it's time to serve notice on this thing. We have fantastic testimonies from our friends, and we have some breakthrough in our own experience, but cancer is going to leave the building. And uh, we'd love to pray with you if you have it or you know somebody, a close person to you, who has that. And Teresa, you had one thing to share, and then we'll get the kids back in. There's just, yeah. This is the, this is the other thing he's going to do. It's on, I'll do it. Um, yeah, this morning I was just spending some time with Daddy God and I was reading about the pillar, the, the pool of Siloam. And there was a guy who'd been sat there for 38 years and Jesus comes past and he says to him, do you want to be well? And I just thought, Matt, he said, yes, but whenever the water's stirred, there's nobody to move me into the pool. And I was like, man, he lay there for 38 years watching other people get healed. And he, for 38 years, saw God healing other people. And I just felt when God showed me that this morning, I was just like, there's people here. And you might have had disappointment for 38 years. But do you know what Jesus says to you today? Do you want to be well? Do you want my goodies? Are you going to be courageous and put off by those 38 years? Or do you want me to help you? Um, and I want to give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus.
because he is astonishing. And that guy got up and walked and, there, and carried his own bed. So the thing that he had been laid on and couldn't lift from, actually he was carrying it. Um. So what we're going to do, I'm not going to bring you to the front on this, but if you feel you're carrying some sort of long-term disappointment and you, you want to get touched by Jesus today, then we're going to pray together. So if, if, you, if you want to get disappointment broken off your life, just put your hand on your heart and we're just going to release some hope in the room. <laughs> There's no shame in this. Just face it. If it's there, face it really honestly because it's time to get free. Whether it's two years, two weeks, 38 years, yeah. Jesus is here. So Jesus, we thank you. And we just break off. As we remove from people's conscience and consciousness, shame <coughs> and disappointment right now. Yeah. Where it's been there for a long time. And I declare hope for healing, hope for jobs, hope for family members, hope hope in realms that in, in realms of finance, hope in realms of sickness, hope, hope for healing, hope for provision, hope, hope for coming into your destiny, hope for promises fulfilled, hope, hope for partnering with God again in new ways, hope, hope for shaping the nation, hope in all sorts of levels and all sorts of ways. And we just, we just bind you disappointment and we send you out of the door. We kick you out. And Holy Spirit, will you come and fill our hearts with hope and love so that we will, we will be hoping for outrageous stuff and we will never be ashamed because we put our trust in you. Amen.